Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us about your wild conspiracy. It's on. It's now. It's here. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 949, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy. Thank you for tuning in today. I was accused of being too nice the other day, so I'm going to be mean to you, Steve. Is that okay? Oh, come on. <laughs> not really. I can't. It's not in my nature. I can't do it. Oh, that's good. So. I'm glad. I'm glad to know. But I can take it. If you need to be, if you need to toughen up your image, I'll help. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you can cry a little or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, this is the Andy Griffin Show. I, I, I'm Andy Griffin. Uh, last night was the uh, candidate debate. We had four uh, city council candidates debate for an hour. Uh, we had a little kind of a intermediate session where they went, kind of got to meet the candidates. And then we had uh, an hour with uh, Mayor Randall and uh, Mayor uh, candidate Jimmy Hughes. Uh, I thought it went really well. I know a lot of listeners, a lot of you out there were there. Uh, I estimate about 300 folks were there uh, at the Echoes Fine Arts Center for, for the debates. And it was a good experience. I think I, I know that I learned a lot. I hope that some of you learned a lot uh, as well. And uh, if you didn't go, well, shame on you. Go next time, okay? <laughs> Is that mean? <laughs> no. Yes, no. that was mean. You, okay. you got to get firm. Shame on you. Uh, I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> but uh, I've got Steve Dunham in here from the Washington County School District. He's the communications director uh, for the school district. How's that going for you? You doing all right? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. We've had some uh, a little bit of craziness so far this year, but we're doing all right. And uh, on the phone line, we have Dave Sterling, who's school board member uh, with us as well. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on this morning. It's good to be with you, two fine gentlemen. Dave, are, are you still in the pharmaceuticals business? Are you a... a... Uh, yeah, I'm more, mostly a peach farmer these days. Oh, okay. Is that good? I know. Is that going well That's for you? That's going very well, yes. Yeah, well, I thought, you know. I thought you were going to say it was in the pits or something. You know? uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, boom, boom. A little fuzzy, but no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's doing very good. A little fruity. We're good. We're getting close to the end of our harvest, so. Awesome. Enjoying, enjoying up. Thanks for coming on. By the way, folks, uh, we're at fall break, right? After today, uh, you guys have a couple of days off. All the kids uh, get a little time off. That's correct. The, today is the last day of school for several days, and uh, then we'll see them back Tuesday. So they get Monday as well. So Thursday, Friday, Monday off. Uh, for me, that affects my life in that I've been broadcasting high school football games for so many years. And this is that week when we have a Wednesday football game. So, That's right. Uh, I'll be, uh, I'm actually driving up to Cedar City. I'm going to do Crimson Cliffs and uh, the Cedar Reds. And then I think uh, we also have uh, additional games if there's wins on Saturday is my understanding. In football? So, yes. Oh, I uh, thought that's what I heard. I'm not positive. I think, I don't think it's this week. I think. That's oh, is that next week? So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, not during the break. My bad. My bad. Yeah. No, we don't, we don't well, want you to. Know, you, you can't know everything, right, Steve? I, I mean, try you know, so hard. That's his job. Darn it. <laughs> He's got to know everything. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, so the kids are going to be off for a couple of days. Uh, I know sometimes that puts parents in a bind because uh, parents don't usually get any kind of break in the fall, and you have to worry about babysitters and and things like that. But um, yeah, you know, we'll deal with it, right? That's the way life is. My, I'm fortunate now. My kids are old. I have one left in high school. That's it. So there you go. Not too bad. Don't have to worry too much about that kind of thing. You know, but. back in the day, this used to be called UEA. With right, the Utah right, Educators right. Association break, and uh, we we always used to joke it was Utahns entering Anaheim because that's when everybody went to Disneyland. <laughs> Disneyland, yeah, 
Uh, speaking of UEA, uh, interesting to me, it seems like, so I, I went to high school up in northern Utah and, and uh, went to college up in northern Utah. Uh, UEA seems to have a much larger presence up there than it does down here in southern Utah. Is that a, would you say that's a true statement? Uh, what do you think, Dave? Uh, yeah, and I honestly, I don't even, do they, do they have meetings now scheduled in the fall because I, I don't, I don't they know don't if do the association their... even even does it anymore to be honest but i i would agree andy that it was always much larger uh, presence in northern utah than it was in the south end of the state at least my recollection they don't do that. the they don't do the fall conference anymore i think they've canceled that um but they they still do have a strong presence throughout the state. You know, I know they do have representation here and, and we work with the teachers union here as well. And so, uh, we have a great working relationship with our teachers. It, it is unique uh, and we really cherish the partnership that we have there. Now, is there a separate union besides the UEA? Uh, well, the UEA is the overall union and okay. then they have their local branches. So the Washington oh, County uh, Education Association is a branch of the the Utah Education Association. Do, do they have power? You hear in a lot of states that the you know the, the educators association or the teachers association uh, demands certain things or whatever. Is there power? Do they have clout behind them? When if they want something, can they influence uh, the state school board? Yeah, you know they they obviously can can put some pressure out there, just like any group. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and and I think we always try to keep an open line of communication because we want to hear what they have to say. We want to make sure that their concerns are addressed so that, you know, we're looking at this as a partnership. We need our teachers. We want our teachers to be happy and, and, and feel like they're they're being listened to, feel like they're fulfilled in, in their opportunities that we're providing for them. And so we always want to work together with them. I, I think that's a safe way of saying it. But, yes, they can bring a, a significant amount of, of pressure towards any political group because they're, they're represented by thousands of teachers throughout the state. What, one of the questions I, I didn't have a chance to ask last night at the debates but wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, in that room, the average age of the people in that debate room, uh, the candidate's average age was probably in the 40s, but the, the audience average age was probably in the 50s or 60s. Uh, and, and I didn't see a lot of young people. There are a few college kids there, but not a lot of young people. And so I wanted to ask, and maybe you guys can talk about this, a relationship between city uh, government, uh, county government, and, and then uh, young people, students in, in particular. Do we have some pretty good uh, programs that involve young people in government? Dave? Any thoughts? Well, we, we encourage um, participation with the young people. Obviously, curriculum in the schools, uh, in high schools, um, U.S. government and a lot of curriculum that centered around that is important and required. I know with my 16-year-old right now that we spent a lot of time in U.S. government. Um, there's opportunities, I think, um, for the for students to get involved in different aspects of the political system. As far as, um, you know, maybe programs, I'm not really aware of anything that the cities do. Well, I take that back. I think, like in Hurricane City, where I'm from, they have a like a city youth council where um, students are invited to be a part of decision-making process or the process of municipal governments. Um, the school obviously supports that. The schools support that and perhaps help the cities, you know, find students that are interested in in those particular programs. I mean, obviously, if it helps students become more aware 
of the political system, the district is is encourage encourages that kind of participation. Um, I don't know, like in St. George and some of the other cities, I don't know what they do, but I'm I'm sure that there's different models that are kind of similar than the one that we use here in Hurricane, where we involve students in different political um, I, opportunities. I know Washington City has had a youth council for quite some time. I'm not sure about St. George, though. Do you know, Steve? No, I was going to say that. I think Washington City has one. I wasn't positive about St. George, but but yeah. I believe Washington City has one also. Uh, it's you know as as I was thinking about that question last night, and like I said, I never did get to ask it during the candidate debates. I was thinking, you know, it sounds cliche, you know, with little Whitney Houston. I believe children of the future, but they really are. I mean, if you look at these high school kids, you look at ones that excel, uh, the kids that get the good grades, the kids that are involved in uh, you know positive activities, you know, future business leaders and and things like that. Those are the ones that really are going to be the ones not very far away who are are leading our businesses. Uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to be involved in athletics here uh, in southern Utah for, well, longer than I care to admit, 28 years. Uh, but uh, I'm now seeing a lot of those people that I broadcast games of, say, in the mid or, or late 90s or even the early 2000s, they're now business owners and community leaders here in town. One of them jumps at McCray Hepler. I don't know if you know McCray at all. Uh, he owns, a, 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 I think, a mortgage company or something right now. And he was a he was a Dixie High athlete, and it was just a matter of he went, you know, he he was an athlete. He learned how to be a good student and a good athlete. Set goals, then he went off to college, got his degree, came back, started a business, and and he's he's doing really a, a nice job right now. So these young people, it's important. I know you, Steve, involved with the Sterling Scholar Program. Yeah, uh, I I have to believe these Sterling Scholars don't do it because it's fun. Well, not only that, but also because they're looking at what their future might be like. I think you're exactly right. And, and I think that comes from a, a child that's been taught or has learned to establish goals, where they want to be, what they want to accomplish, and what are they going to do to get there? Mm-hmm. And what are things that will make the process either easier or help them along maybe slightly faster? Sterling Scholar is one of those things that will help these children move up a little bit faster, excel a little bit more, and give them a jump start in what they're trying to accomplish in their further studies, whether that be in the arts or in the sciences or, or other academics. Right, right. All right, I wanted to talk about, uh, if you will, for a couple of minutes, uh, something that is a little bit of controversy up north, but uh, you guys do it a little differently. Let's talk about the social and emotional learning curriculum. What, what does that mean exactly? Explain to uh, people that are listening what, what we're talking about here, Steve. Sure. A lot of people have heard about the terms or the acronyms SEL. And it's by there's a company called Second Step that has an SEL or a social and emotional learning curriculum that we've heard about in the news a lot up north. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, this is also a, a curriculum we use here in our school district, and yet we use it differently. Um, there's a lot of good that comes from a social and emotional learning curriculum. Where it teaches children how to recognize emotions, how to cope with those emotions in a healthy manner, and it teaches them how to adjust and move on. Um, and, and that's what this is, this is meant to do. It, it diminishes the, uh, the number of times or it decreases the number of times that we have children have outbursts in the classroom. We've had classrooms tossed by kids because they don't know how to, to recognize their emotions and cope with their emotions. And so by using these curriculum, we can, uh, excuse me, <coughs> we can help the children learn to recognize when their emotions are coming on, how to cope with those and move on. 
And so, um, you know, as we partnered with Second Step on this, we went through the curriculum and we've, we've had our, our PTA organization review this. We've had parents review this. And, and we've had our own professionals, our, our uh, Clint licensed uh, social workers, uh, review this curriculum and say, yeah, this is, this, this elements will, these elements will work for our school district and this element will not work for our school district. And we've left some of those out. Um, I, I think many other school districts may have not done that and just kind of brought the curriculum in as, as a blanket. But we've really looked through everything. That includes the videos that are shown, all of those things to make sure that it fits our community standards. Because the goal is that this curriculum needs to match up with our, our what we're teaching in the schools, and it actually helps the children grow according to what our community views is important. And because we've done that, we feel like we've done a really good job. We've had people who have heard what's happening up north and said, are we using that? We're like, well, yeah, we are. And they're like, I want to see it. Okay, come on in. We've invited them in, and mm-hmm. they've reviewed the curriculum. And, and I think the feedback that we're getting generally is very positive of, oh, okay, this is good. And that's what we like to hear, that we have taken the, taken the time to put the, to put the work in to make sure that what we're bringing into the classroom is a benefit to children, not creating a controversy, not just a, a blanket program that we're purchasing and throwing out there as a time filler, but something that's actually going to help children grow and progress. And the feedback we're getting from the parents, in fact, our, our, our region PTA president said she reviewed it with many of her PTA presidents, mm-hmm. and they are very pleased with what we're, we're bringing into the classroom. What's the, uh, what's the target age for that for social and emotional learning? What, what are we looking at here? Are we talking about elementary kids or middle school? Or? It's mostly elementary and intermediate. I believe we stop at the sixth grade. Uh, okay. uh, Dave, is that correct, or do we go to seventh grade? I think grade? so, yeah. yeah. We go into the sixth grade. We don't go clear into middle school, though. So, so that's where we stop the curriculum right now, and uh, we are looking at some of the other curriculums, and that may happen in the future. But again, we will go into it carefully, making sure that all of the curriculum we bring into the classroom meets our community standards. It, like any curriculum that you would teach, some students are going to be, you know, right away already master at it. Others are going to be remedial a little bit and have to try to figure it out as they go. How do you address the differences in where kids are emotionally? I would think, I'm just speculating here, but a kid that, that grows up in a family with a mom and a dad and a couple of, you know, siblings who have uh, a very disciplined home is going to have less problems with that than someone who grew up in a, you know, a broken home. I think that's accurate to say, um, you, you know, you're going to have children across the board. And yet uh, I can't honestly speak to how the levels of the curriculum play out in the mm-hmm. classroom. I don't know it that well. But I can tell you that from our side, we have we have done our, our best to do our due diligence to make sure that it meets the needs of the children. It isn't a, an all comprehensive curriculum. It's a small piece of the day. Uh, I believe it, the, the lessons are 30 minutes, and I believe it's once a week. 30 minutes once a week is, mm-hmm. is all they do on this. But it's something that helps the kids learn, uh, again, about those emotions and, and that it's okay to have different emotions. We all have those as adults, but it's important that we also learn how to control those emotions, how to deal with those emotions in a healthy manner. And, and that's what this is about, is really helping those kids adjust because, unfortunately, like you say, some kids have already learned that and are, or are learning that in the right. home, and some are not, and some have not. And they don't know how to cope and they don't know what to do when they have all this anger built up inside and it comes out in outbursts. And so we're, we're really trying to help uh, reduce the time out of the classroom for these kids that don't know how to cope with their emotions. Because if they're out of the classroom, they're away from opportunities to learn. 
And if we can reduce that time that they're, they're having uh, an outburst or, or a challenge in their life, and we can get them back in the classroom, then they can learn. And uh, that makes life easier for everybody. Uh, we're talking with Steve Dunham from the Washington County School District. He's communications director and also board member Dave Sterling. You doing okay there, Dave? Oh, man, I'm just just glued to, to this this conversation. I, I thought you were going to say, say you were I want to say one thing. I don't know if you need to go to a break, but um, I was thinking about social-emotional learning. You know, back in my day when I went to elementary school, and maybe a lot of your listeners can remember this, when you would get a grade, you would get, like, an academic grade, and you might get a citizenship grade. I don't I remember, know if you yeah. remember those. And, and the acronym SEL, or social-emotional learning, kind of reminds me back in the day when we'd get a citizen, citizenship grade, which basically was, you know, your behavior in the classroom, if you, you know, how you participate and how you treated others and that type of thing. And, and it, was, it was as important in the 60s and 70s when I was a little student as it is now. We just have different methodologies how we teach citizenship. And, and I think there's a little kind of a, you know, a, a bad connotation about social emotional learning because of some of the, you know, the modules and some of the things that are being taught. But it, essentially, it's the same thing that's been taught for decades about how to treat one another, how to react, and how to um, diffuse certain situations, and how to handle um, stress and other things that are happening in these in these students' life. And I think. We kind of get caught up sometimes in acronyms and other things that are happening today, but essentially it's the same thing. We just teach it better. We teach it more effectively, and it is needed probably more now than it was needed back in my day. Um, so, you know, we get we get kind of carried away sometimes with, again, acronyms or, or buzzwords or other things of the day, but essentially what what this is is just teaching citizenship. To the to the elementary kids, how to behave and how to treat one another, and it's it's an important it's an important uh, lesson lessons that we teach in the district, and we try to make sure that we vet them and so they're appropriate for what our community needs and and um, what they want to have happen. So I just kind of wanted to point that out. Let's not get caught up sometimes in you know in in the buzzwords of the day that have some yeah. perhaps somebody has given them a negative connotation so it's just teaching citizenship essentially sometimes and, and i think this is really hard uh, with schools and and steve and dave you can talk about this but sometimes the schools have to kind of act like parents uh, to certain kids and that i think you know that's one of the things that i'm impressed with with schools is uh, unfortunately, you get thrown into that role occasionally. And what we're talking about right now, social and emotional learning, a lot of that stuff should have been taught at home. And quite frankly, some kids just, just don't get it at home. And so you guys find yourselves in a position where, okay, we've got a kid that doesn't know how to control his emotions. He didn't learn at home. Uh, maybe he doesn't have a dad or, or maybe he has a, a dad who's in jail or maybe he has a dad who isn't there most of the time or whatever. Uh, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a parental role. And I know there's a lot of people like, well, that's not the job of the school. But if the school doesn't do it, I guess who's going to, Steve? Well, I think more important that if the school doesn't do it, it's more that it needs to be done before the child can learn. Because if the child's in a, a state of emotional breakdown, they're not in a state where they can learn. Right, that's true. And, and likewise, we, we have children that come to school uh, hungry. And until we can 
solve that problem, they can't learn when their stomach's growling and all they're thinking about, man, when can I eat next? And yeah. we have those challenges in life. Um, you, you're very right, though. There, there are some children that, that don't have that help. And there are some children that look at our schools as a place that is, oh, this is a waste of time for me. There are some children, though, that come to our schools and think, this is my safe place. I, yeah. I can relax here. And, and, and mm-hmm. we need to help and provide the opportunities we can so that they can then become the, those athletes that maybe become our business leaders or, or our, our elected officials later on down the road when we're in our 60s and go into their debates, you know, in a few years. <laughs> All right. I do need to get a commercial break in. We'll talk weather. A couple of topics we're going to talk about when we come back. First of all, we do welcome your phone call, 673-5890. You can text me at 435-467-5842. I probably ought to check it. Yeah, I got a couple of texts. We'll get into those when we get back. A couple of topics I wanted to talk about. We're going to ask these school people to give us a report card or give themselves a report card or talk about uh, where we, how we're doing when it comes to all the emotional aspect of what COVID-19 has done to our children. Uh, also a disturbing, I don't know disturbing is the right word, a troubling report came out last week talking about bullying and it involves the state of Utah. Welcome back to Andy Griffin's show here on KDXU. You should hear the discussions we have when the microphones aren't on, right, Steve? That's right. They're engaging. <laughs> anyway, thanks for uh, tuning into the program today. Uh, uh, Steve Dunham from the Washington County School District and Dave Sterling, a school board member on with us. Hi, Dave. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, we did get a text, uh, and I'm going to let Steve address this because I think he will explain it a lot better than I do. The text is, hey, is there somewhere that I can access and review the SEL curriculum, that's the social-emotional learning curriculum, as a parent of a school child? Yes, there is. And, and, and there's, there's two ways they can do this. They can go to the Second Step website, which is the least preferred way, mostly because we're not using everything that's on their website. And so if they really want to see what we're using in the classroom, we're inviting them into the district. Um, The materials are copyrighted, so we bring you in. We'll we'll set aside the time that you can review it for as long as you'd like. And and that's what we've done. We just had a group of four parents come in this last week. Um, We set aside a conference room for a couple hours for them. They didn't take that long. But we gave them notepads and pens so they could take notes on anything, any questions they had that they could address with us later. And uh, they left us a thank you note afterwards saying, hey, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate this. And, and that's what we'd prefer. You're welcome to call us at the school district, set up a time, and we'll let you review everything that's being taught in the classroom. The flip side is, is where we're used to being, having access to everything on our phones. You can go to the Second Step website. You can see everything that is available there. But keep in mind, we're not using everything there. Um, but you can see what is available there as well. So, so who decided to, I mean, it sounds like you did a little picking and choosing from their program. Oh, definitely. Who decided which ones to use and which ones not to use? Our, our, our curriculum specialists. Okay. We, we went through that and, and we also had input from our parents. We, we had a parent group that came in and we said, this is what we're wanting to do. And, and they brought up any concerns they had with that. Um, and then there were some that they said it was fine, and there was some that we looked at that they said was fine, and we're like, yeah, we're still not going to use that. <laughs> Even though they gave us the, that, that approval, mm-hmm. so to speak, we felt like, you know what, we'd rather not. We'd err on the side of caution, I guess, is the, the term. That's a good way to go, in my opinion. But please call us at the district. We do want to be transparent with everybody on this. Very good. Yeah, I think, and I would add, too, just, I mean, we, we want to be completely transparent. So... 
if if some of the curriculum that we're using and if a parent's in a classroom and is part of that and they have a question, you know, please bring it to our attention and we will we will address it. I mean that that is what I I strive for is complete hundred percent transparency. There's no secrets. We want everybody to be a part of it. Parents are welcome to be a part of the teaching and the instruction. So I mean there's no there's no hiding on this this the social emotional learning. We want everybody to have say and and be a part of it. Very good. All right. Uh, by the way, if you want to call into the program four three five six seven three five eight ninety, you can text me at four three five four six seven five eight four two if you'd like to text. I want to get your guys' thoughts now on, uh, you know, when when the lockdowns first happened. Of course, school was shut down. You guys did a fantastic job of at least getting. <laughs> You know, uh, remote learning in per se that that wasn't even a thing until last year. But uh, we're, you were able to get that get that uh, in place and done. Unfortunately, I had a senior in high school who didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she she had to miss out on the last few months of her senior yeah. year and stuff. But uh, no. during all that, we had, of course, the lockdown. We had remote learning, and then we had masking when we did come back, where all the kids had to wear masks all day, every day. Uh, you know, I was I had high school kids. Uh, Many of you out there had elementary school kids or somewhere in in between there. Uh, and so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts as we now start to uh, digest what happened uh, in the world. Uh, because I think a lot of us, I, I felt like that this emotionally or maybe psychologically was affecting the kids. Do you think it did, Steve and Dave? Uh, I definitely think it did, especially initially. Mm-hmm. Um, when we shut down the spring of 2020, uh, it was March, we were going into spring break yeah. and, um, uh, that was a shock to everybody's system. Mm-hmm. We, we, we've come so far since then in understanding remote learning, what we can do, how we can make it better, things of that nature. But initially it was a band aid. It's like, okay, let's get this up and going and let's figure this out while we're doing it on the fly. Yeah. And that was a struggle. And we know that the students were suffering as well. That was emotionally, uh, uh, I get emotional myself, but it was a, a taxing time for our students, and we immediately saw an uptick in, in suicide attempts. Mm. And, and that spring of 2020 was hard for me because, um, you know, a couple of those students were successful, and you don't ever want to see that as an educator. We get into this business to help children, right. not to... Uh, not to allow them to suffer out there. And so when, when we're removed like that and, and we can't bring those resources to the table for those kids, that's, that's a challenge for us because that's what we want to do. We want to help these kids be successful. And um, even when we opened up a year ago, when we got the kids back in class and we were behind masks, we, we immediately saw, unfortunately, a, a lot of students come in and talk to us about um, the challenges they faced at home. They had to talk to school resource officers about abusive situations mm-hmm. um, because it was stressful on families. It was new for everybody. Some people were were in questionable situations with work. They may have lost their work, yeah. their jobs, and and so it was hard. And and that frustration was getting let out at the children at times. And and so we saw that, and, and our board really kind of stepped in, and, and we've we've increased. The number of counselors in our district, um, we have a counselor in every single school now, and, and that's something to be very proud of, that, that we weren't there just a couple of years ago. 
we say a counselor in every school. Are we talking about psycholo- psychological counselors, uh, certified ones, or, or school counselors, or how does that work? It's a little of both. All of our counselors have training to one level or another. Okay. But, um, yes, we have we have one available in all of our elementaries now, which we didn't have before. And, yeah. and, and in, in elementary, they're not counseling for academics. They're counseling for other things. And, and they're working with the children to help them out through rough patches they're going through. Um, and, and likewise, as you get older and, and you get more developed in, in uh, what you're doing, you, you, your, your counselors are then doing more with academics, saying, hey, you need this class to graduate right, or you right. need this credit here. But a lot of times they're still stepping into that other role where they're, they're coaching a child through a difficult time in their life. They're, they're helping them realize that this is not the, the, the end, that things get better, and that uh, they need to hang in there and that we'll help them through it. Now you talked a little bit about short-term effects. What about long-term effects? Uh, say I have a good student, you know, a student who's a, a 3.7, you know, type type student, really really good student. The lockdowns happen, the masks happen. Um, is have you seen instances where some of those kids were derailed, where they, you know, life was good and I was headed the right direction, and now I'm not? I think that. Uh the lockdown, the masks affected everybody at some level. Mm-hmm. Now, um, how much that was is still, we're, we're going to be unwrapping this and, and diving deeper into it for years to come. I agree. Yeah. But, but we just had a report last night from our, our elementary uh, administrators talking about what we were able to achieve last year with in-person instruction, even behind masks, and how our district excelled over state and over the previous year's achievement levels um, that we didn't anticipate. And it's because our teachers are learning how to adapt. They, the, we provided professional development that gave them additional tools for how to help the children get caught back up. Hmm. And, so, and so in some ways, we're, we're doing the best we can to catch that. Uh, uh, is it perfect? No. We'll, we're not going to say we're perfect, but, but I think we're doing very good. Dave, do you do you have some more insight from that presentation last night at the board meeting? Well, yeah, similar. I mean, I, I think it was self-evident, uh, in my opinion, that in-person instruction was going to be going to be much more beneficial, and the data obviously supports that. Um, the three months that we were out of school and did all virtual versus the first of last year when we last year's school when we started in person. I mean, the data the data supports that um, in person children students learn significantly better, and the data that was presented last night, of course, suggests that. Well, what's amazing to me was the percentage um, of growth uh, and that the students had from from last year. You know, we did comparison from Washington County School District, and we also did comparisons from the state averages of of assessment and and in both cases we we were um we'd gone up significantly in some cases on the different assessment levels so um yeah i mean in person in person learning and and the other the other point i would make too um i mean i think we can get caught up a little bit in in you know some of the negatives about about in person learning with masks and some of the challenges we had last year but i mean i kind of take a little different take on a little different stance I, I i'm impressed at all levels from k through 12 of the students who really developed a resilience that as as a parent and as a board member and as an educator that i'm looking to see have happen in in young kids lives 
when they have a little adversity, how they respond to it. And, I mean, it was really uncomfortable. I think for for adults, it's probably worse. I mean, I, I have to go to work with a mask. It's terrible, and I, I still do, and I, I just despise it. But, you know, the students uh, generally, I mean, overwhelmingly, I should say, just they were just resilient. They were so grateful to be back in school. They went back to school with their masks, and and they learned, and they were grateful to be back in school. And I, I think we can look back and say, wow, you know, we got a lot to overcome, and uh, and this year of being in masks is going to leave this this huge mark, and you know what kind of you know emotional problems we're going to have to overcome. And I, I look at it a little different. I just look at at our students who just just overcame. I mean, and that's really what we want to teach. We want to teach the ability to overcome adversity. And and uh, I was impressed. I mean, I have students in school, and how you know they said, you know what, we are just glad to be back in school, even though we have to wear a mask. And and I will say this too about Washington County School District. We were we were the first ones to say we're going back to school a year ago last summer. Whatever it takes, we're going to have in person learning, and we. And we did it, and we pulled it off, and we were the first district, one of the first districts, to say we're taking the masks off at the end of the year, towards the end of the year. And, you know, we're, we're, we're proactive, and and I think it speaks a lot about how, um, how important teaching our children is in Washington County. I mean, we just we want to make sure we, we do it right, regardless of some of the pressures we get from other sources. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I get we're we had to deal with it, but I've just been impressed with how our students in Washington County have just kind of come through this, and and the evidence, the database evidence of how they're doing in school kind of supports that. Awesome, uh, great thoughts, Dave. We've got a, a couple of uh, texts I've gotten, uh, questions I want to ask, and there was a study out. Uh, just a couple of days ago. And we'll talk about that and more after we come back from this uh, quick timeout. I do want to mention Joe Shoney. He's a loan consultant focusing on customer service. So many times you go out and get that loan, you sign some papers at the beginning, and then they call you in on a Friday at 3.30 and say, hey, if you don't come in right now, you're going to lose the house or the car or whatever it is you're looking for. Joe Shoney's not like that. He keeps you apprised of what's going on all the way along with your loan. Give him a call today at 435-590-6300. It's Joe Shoney, NMLS number 121041. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in. It's 948 on KDXU. Of course, we've got the Buck and Travis, Buck and Clay show. Buck, Sex, and Clay Travis coming up in about 11 or 12 minutes from right now. But this is the Andy Griffin Show. I've got Steve Dunham from the Washington County School District with me, as well as the school board member Dave Sterling via the telephone. Hi, Dave. Hey, how are you? How's it going? Doing great, thanks. Appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, got the, actually a couple of texts actually concerned something that I was going to bring up anyway, which and so I appreciate people reminding me. But um, there was a report last week. Actually, I think it was Monday, but it might have been last Friday anyway. That had Utah ranked eighth worst in the country out of the fifty states in bullying problems. Uh, Utah. Let me get to the right page, and we'll talk a little bit about this. Now, I hate to lump Washington County in with the whole state, but that's. That's the way the survey is set up. Utah was in the bottom uh, eight in, let's see, number of high school students who missed school out of fear of being bullied. Uh, let's see, uh, percentage of schools who were in, uh, kids who were involved in a physical fight at school. And Utah also in the bottom 10 in percentage of high school students who were bullied online. 
Uh, you guys have any thoughts on that? Are you seeing evidence of any of this? I think yes is the answer. Okay. It, that, that is it everywhere. And, and, and you can't completely eliminate bullying because, um, well, I don't know if I know because why, but, but it is there. It, it's in our classes. It, it, it's in society. You have groups of people that want to stick together. And as these young teenage minds are developing, they get this mentality of anything different than them needs to be made fun of. It needs mm-hmm. to be mocked. And uh, I, I've experienced this in my own family. I, you know, I've grown up and faced that as a child. I think many of us can say there's an element of not fitting, feeling like we don't fit in and, and being ostracized for that. Um, so to say that bullying doesn't happen in Washington County would be false. It, it definitely does. And I think it's even harder when you come into a society that is as unique and as remote as, I mean, in some ways, Washington County is very remote. We're growing and we're big, yet we're, we're very unique in that we're a close-knit community. And, and some people are, are more closely knit together than others. You, you'll have different cliques. You'll have different groups. And so that does happen in our schools. Um, the thing we can do as educators is try and prevent that. We can try and recognize that. We can be trained on how to see what is happening so we can take steps to step in and say, hey, that's not appropriate behavior. Hey, we need to make sure that people feel welcome in our community. We need to make sure that these other children feel welcome in our schools and feel included and connected. I, I always go about um, talking about the, the kids that eat alone at lunch. That just breaks my heart. Yeah. You never want to see a kid eating alone. And I think that is a, an immediate sign that we need to reach out and be a friend. Dave, any thoughts on that? Well, I will, I will say this. I mean, we have zero tolerance for bullying in Washington County. I mean, Steve's right. It happens when we are made aware of it locally at the school level and at the district level. I mean, we, we take steps to prevent um, and, you know, to, to deal with bullying. I, 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 all of us, I think, you know, have had, you know, experiences where we've had bullying be a part of our life or our children's lives. It's terrible. Um, if I had a wish, that would be there would be no more bullying in, in schools. Um, and we would do, we do everything we can. We, we make policies how to deal with bullying. I mean, it's just it's something on my mind on a regular basis. Um, we just do our, we do our best, and we try to encourage. Um, the, the sad thing, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to bring this up, but I see this happening from adults. Um, and it happens, you know, some of the issues of the day when, when adults don't get their way or their views are not uh, validated in the way that they feel, they, they bully other adults. And children see this. And, and, you know, civil discourse sometimes has taken a backseat in our lives for different things. And, and you know what I'm talking about with some of the different issues. And I think as adults we have an opportunity to the examples of civil discourse and being able to disagree in, in kind and tolerant manners. And, um, you know, it kind of starts with us, I think, you know, and, I, uh, we do our, we do our best to, to, to be civil and tolerant and respectful as adults. And I think that passes down to our children. So yeah, bullying is belittling, whatever you want to call it. It's just something that I, I have, I have no tolerance for and hopefully, you know, in the district level and school level, we do our best to 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 eradicate that as as best we can. I am so glad you brought that up, Dave, because I I think you're exactly right. I have personally seen an example of two women 
in a public place and one woman was wearing a mask and one was not. And the one who wasn't went up to her and said, you know, those don't do anything. And, mm-hmm. and my immediately thought was, you don't know that other person. Let them live their life and do their thing. I felt like that was such a forceful, intimidating practice to do in a public spot to share your opinion. It's like, you don't know that person. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know if they have a weakened immune system, whatever it might be. And, and, and that is the one that we're seeing sometimes in our schools. Some of the kids still wear masks, and that's okay. They're welcome to do that. Right. And, and we need to provide an atmosphere where they don't need to feel challenged. We don't need the other kids to come in and say, hey, you don't need to do that. You know, it doesn't do anything. It, that doesn't matter. We, you don't know their situation. Leave them alone. Let them live their life. Just be kind. Why can't we just be kind? You know, it's probably hard for some people who, uh, by their very nature, are kind people to understand what bullying is. I'm going to share an experience. So when I was in ninth grade, we had just moved to Utah. I didn't know a soul. Uh, and, and I remember checking and I, my mom checked me into Bingham high school. Now as a 14 year old, uh, at the time Bingham, Bingham was bursting at the seams, had 3000 something students. I was, I was intimidated. I was scared. I was, I mean, you know, all those emotions that, that go in. Uh, and then I, 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 I got assigned a bus route and so at some point during the day, uh, one of the local, uh, I don't know what do you want to call rogues, tough guys, uh, bullies, if you, if you will, uh, Saw the new guy, me, and said, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give this new guy a hard time." So we bumped into each other once or twice in these very crowded halls, and then uh, and he told me, he said, "After school, you and me are going down." And I remember the rest of the day. Uh, now again, I was brand new, didn't know anybody. The rest of the day, feeling this this weird uh, mix of anger and adrenaline and fear and all these things, and then the, so the 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 school day ended, and I went and found my bus. Uh, got on my bus and just sat down in a random spot. This kid got on the same bus. And I remember the entire ride home thinking, when I get off this bus, he's going to kill me. He's going to, you know, and, and it was real, it was, it was real palpable emotion. I know this is a stupid story, but, but it was real to me, very real. As a ninth grader, not knowing anybody, feeling this guy was, he was going to get me. I was, I was, I was scared. Now, uh, turns out, uh, that was his bus too. And there was no fight and he got off at a different stop than me and everything was fine. But I know that those feelings are, it's, it's not fake feelings. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. And look how different that situation would have been. If instead of seeing you as the new guy that he needs to make a mark on, Mm -hmm. he, he makes that mark by saying, Hey, I see you're new here. Oh, I ride this bus too. Hey, uh, where do you live? You know, what, and, what and changed, yeah. opened a conversation. Why do we need to do that? Is it something from that child's home that caused that? Is it some behavior he'd seen from his parents that had caused that? We, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. he's trying to establish something with his life and his friends, but that does happen, unfortunately, in some places. And, and our hope as educators is that we can help people, help students see that the kindness is the is the emotion that we want to see displayed. Well, here, here's here that comes back to one of the earlier points um, when we talk about social and emotional learning. Um, that is one of the components of what we're talking about. Is how to how to treat others, um, how to handle situations where you have a new person who's you know insecure or worried about you know fitting in or somebody sitting alone at lunch or all these different things, and that's part of learning as part of that social emotional learning component that we're trying to teach. And I mean, and honestly, uh, if you want to talk about a value of a program, you can imagine Andy, 
if if a, that person had been taught not to be a bully or not to intimidate, but to be friendly. I mean, you know, sometimes that's a personal choice, but other times it's just a learned behavior. And and so you can make the justification how social and emotional learning can be such a benefit to early early age children, school children. Yeah, all right. That's a, we got about two minutes left. I've been uh, making Seth hang on. Seth, uh, thanks for tuning into the program. Got about two minutes. What's on your mind? Do you have a question for Steve and Dave? Uh oh, we've uh, all right. Call back, Seth. We'll get you right on the air. We obviously had uh, that was not Seth. That was uh, Donald Duck. No, uh, Mickey Mouse. Somebody. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin. Oh, okay. Uh, I think yeah, that was he had. So Seth, if he'll call. You sure it wasn't uh, Seymour? I don't know Seymour. Is he a, the the fourth chipmunk? Well, he's, he's one of the chipmunks. Oh, I think. Okay. Really? I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Alvin, Everybody Seymour. knows Alvin. They don't know the other one. Right? Well, I know. That's I. This poor Seymour. He gets no love. He gets no love. <laughs> Awesome. We're down. To, it doesn't look like Seth is going to call back. We're down to the, the final minute. Uh, school psychology department here in Washington County, uh, Steve, is it healthy? Uh, I have a son who's a psychologist in northern Utah, and, and he talks about the, the need for psychologists to not just do tests and fill out paperwork, but to actually work with kids. That's what he wants to do. Is that something that is happening here in Washington County? It is, and we're getting better at it. We have the uh, the wellness rooms in in most of our schools now. Um, you know, not quite all, but but it gives the children a chance to to break away from class when they're having a hard time. They have 15 minutes or so that they can uh, go and and just have a soothing space that they can feel. They can calm, re- hit the reset button, and get back to class and get back to learning. And again, having counselors in the schools makes a big difference. All right, he's Steve Dunham from the Washington County School District. Steve, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Today. Thank you, Andy. Hey, Andy, before we hang up, though, Ten seconds. we have to recognize Steve got an award last uh, night. No, from, Ten uh, seconds. Time's up. Good night, everybody. Ted, tell him about your award. He received a, a media award, a state media award. Pretty I'll, impressive. I'll tell you what, we'll talk about it tomorrow. i got to go. Time for news.